everyone. Welcome to Daily in the Word. I am your host and teacher, Rich Chassie, and today we're coming upon a passage of scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, that have so much rich content in them. It's going to be hard for me to be able to get everything that I'd like to say about this in in one session, but at the same time, I don't want to break it up because it all flows together. There's so much information here about our relationship to Jesus Christ. There is rich theology about Jesus himself in this passage. And I want to just go ahead and get right to it so that we have some time to make our way through and and discuss everything that we want to discuss. So let's go ahead and begin reading Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage starts with this fourfold if statements, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, and so on. And these if statements are implied with an answer of, yes, of course you have. You might use the word since instead of the word if, since you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, since you have been comforted from his love, since you have common sharing in the spirit, since you have tenderness and compassion that you have received from the Lord. And then verse 2 continues a fourfold answer to that fourfold statement about what we have all received from our relationship with Christ. He then says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind or purpose. And then four more statements that come in verses 3 and 4. And we have to remember that these are verses, this is instruction that's given to the local church, specifically the local church at Philippi. Certainly would fit your local church as well. But these admonitions that we find in verses 3 and 4 are things that we can put into practice in any relationship. Indeed, one of my favorite applications of verses 3 and 4 is in the marriage relationship. Very often when I perform a ceremony, I will include these two verses because I think they provide a rich application for 
us in our marriage relationships. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, this was probably something that they were dealing with in the church at Philippi. We see that at the beginning of chapter 4. We saw it mentioned earlier in chapter 1 when he talked about those who were preaching the gospel, but doing it almost in a sense of trying to spite Paul and his imprisonment. Selfish ambition and vain conceit, these are things that we often find in marriages. But rather than doing that, rather than thinking of your own ambition, your own selfishness, your own conceit, what you want in any relationship, rather, he says, in humility, humble yourself as Jesus did. Be like-minded with him. In humility, value others above yourselves. And then he's He expands that a little bit, verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In other words, in whatever relationship you find yourself in, and this fits in church relationships, it fits in any family dynamic, even workplace or friends, but marriage relationship as well, to set aside your own interests, your own needs, as it were, and look to the needs or the interests of the other person. And in doing that, you will be very much like Jesus. He says that in in verse 5, in your relationships with one another then, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what follows after that statement is this incredible theological treatise of who Jesus is, and we're called to have that same mindset as Jesus Christ as he goes through and begins to explain the very nature of who Jesus is, the the form, the nature, the essence of who Jesus is in his relationship with God the Father. And so as we go through this, understand that this gives us some very good understanding of the relationship of Jesus Christ to the Trinity, to God the Father, and his deity, and his humanity. It speaks of the incarnation. The incarnation of, of Christ is something that we speak about oftentimes at Christmas time. It is a reference to God becoming a man and yet still being God at the same time. He is both man and God in one person, uh, the person of Jesus Christ. And that's hard for our minds to understand, and yet this statement that we see here in Philippians 2 makes that very clear. But it is the humility that we are to mimic, if you will, that we are to have that same, uh, that same humble mindset of Christ Jesus and to bring that into our relationships, our relationships in the church relationships in our marriages, and in every relationship that we have, to bring that mindset of humility into that dynamic. So, verse 6 then, who being in very nature, the essence of who Jesus is, he is in nature the same as God because he is God. And yet he did not, when during the incarnation in becoming a man, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or something or held on to, something to be used to his own advantage. He set aside not his deity, 
He was fully God and fully man. Please do not understand or misunderstand that idea, that concept. While it's hard for our minds to to grasp it, to understand it, it is nonetheless true. It's not that he set aside his deity. He set aside the privileges, maybe the rights that come with his deity, all of the glory and the honor, all of that comes with him being God. Again, we couldn't understand that. We couldn't understand him emptying himself. The first part of verse 7, he made himself nothing, or literally he emptied himself. Again, not of his deity, but of the privileges of deity. And it says that he took on himself the very nature of a servant. So he he had the very nature of God, the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Again, it's not that he was just like a man. He became fully a man, fully man, fully God. And yet there is something unique about his manhood in that he was sinless. And so while he is fully man, he did not participate in having the sinful nature of man because he was not the son of any man like the rest of us all are because of his virgin birth. It's very important for us to understand and to accept the virgin birth. It's what contributes to his being sinless. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He, He looked like every other man. There was nothing about him that was physically remarkable. He didn't stand tall among other men. He didn't have physical features that made him stand out in any way. And he humbled himself. And part of how he humbled himself, not only was he a servant, being obedient to his father, being a servant to those around him, he also became obedient to death. And not just any kind of death, the worst kind of death that mankind had created. And that was death on a cross. And then the switch, we go from Jesus Christ and understanding who he is, and then God the Father, the focus switches to God the Father, and how God the Father exalted Jesus to the highest place, the very thing that Jesus had prayed for in John 17, 5. Here God exalts him to that highest place and gives to Jesus the name that is above every name. There is no name higher than Jesus, and that at the very name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven, the saints and the angels in heaven, all of us here on earth, under the earth, that would be Satan and the demons and all those who are doomed to hell, that all of them are going to bow at one point in history. The question is, will you do so willingly, or will you be forced to bow to Jesus and recognize, acknowledge, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're going to do it. You you are absolutely, you might be defiant if you're listening to this and you might say, well, this this just seems like garbage to me, but there is no question. Every one of us is going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Will you do that willingly? Will you do that, in, in my case and in many of your, your cases, 
you would say lovingly, absolutely, freely, with glee, I say that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. But on that day, there will also be many who will do it forcibly, who will do it because they have to, not because they want to. And I pray that that does not speak to you and your mindset towards your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That every tongue will acknowledge, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The fact that the world, the whole world will recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord brings glory to God the Father. That the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the recognition of that, that Jesus Christ is exactly who he claimed to be. That was one of the things that drove the teachers of the law and the Pharisees crazy was when Jesus said of himself that I and the Father are one, that I am God, that before Abraham was, I am. When Jesus claimed deity, it drove them crazy. And yet, That's the statement that will bring glory to God the Father in the end. And I pray that we would be the kind of people who would want to do that willingly. Lord, thank you so much for this passage of Scripture. There is so much here to learn from and to glean from how to deal with relationships in our marriage or in our church or family, friends, workplace. There's so much here to glean from that. All that we have received from our relationship with you, if you've received any encouragement from being united of Christ, well, of course I have. If I have received any comfort from his love, of course, Lord, I have. Any common sharing, any fellowship with the Spirit, of course the Holy Spirit has taken up residence within me, and we have fellowship all the time, even when I don't recognize it. He is there with me. Any tenderness and compassion? Yes. And make my joy complete, and Lord, make us like-minded with you in that, that we would have the same love, the same Spirit, the same mindset, that we wouldn't do things out of our own self-interest and our own selfishness and our own ambition, our own conceit and ego, but we would be like Jesus and be humble, humble ourselves, not look to our own interests, but instead to the interests of others. Lord, may we have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who even though he is God, was willing to set aside what it meant to be God, not his deity itself, but the privileges, if you will, the rights of what it meant to be God. He set that aside and he took on himself the form of man, the nature of man, so in nature both God and man, and became a servant, became obedient to death, and not just any death. He went to the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. How would he do that? How could he do that for me when I so often fail him? When I have so blatantly sinned against you, and yet you chose to love me 
And your love for me, your love for each one of us, never dies, it never wanes, it never tires, it never gives up. And so Jesus became obedient to death, death on a cross to pay for my sin. And I praise you, Lord, that he didn't stay in the grave, that he rose again from the dead. And there's coming a day when God the Father is going to exalt him to the highest place, that he has the name above every other name, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those in heaven, of those on the earth, of those on, under the earth, Every single one of us, whether willingly or forcibly, we're going to bow and we're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. And today, I freely admit, I freely confess, I'm going to do that right now, Lord. I'm going to bow before you, and I'm going to confess with my tongue right now, you are Lord. I pray that everyone who's listening to my voice right now would say the same thing, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, because that's who you are. I don't want to wait till that day. I will gladly do it on that day. I look forward to that day, but Lord, I'm willing to do it right now gladly, freely, because, Lord, I love you, and I praise you. And, Lord, I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that this time together in God's Word is bringing you much blessing and helping you to grow in your understanding of the Lord Jesus and of your relationship with Him. And I pray that you would even spend extra time in this passage, even listening again, because of how much is just contained in this passage of Scripture. I, I know I can say that about every passage, but there's something about these 11 verses in my mind that just want to hammer to my heart and, and remind myself over and over again, the relationships that I have help me to have that mindset of Christ. Help me to understand Jesus as much as my human mind can, that he is fully God and fully man, and that he will be exalted. And I look forward to that day. So again, thank you for listening. Encourage you to share this with family and friends and look forward to seeing you again next time here on Daily in the Word. Have a great day.